We've been in Luke chapter 11, but I'm kind of just wanting to share. I, I don't know, I'm a little bit leery to, to share too much, but I'm going to share a little bit where my heart is right here. I got here tonight, and let me tell you, relationships are, are battles. They are um, they're challenging. That's my wife's word, challenging. My whole family knows that word. Challenging. And, uh, you know, those that are closest to you sometimes are the most challenging. Not sometimes. They are the most challenging. Most of the time, it's between spouses. Tonight, you know, is with one of my children. And the funny thing is, all the, all the right things can be in place for a successful relationship, but poor execution can keep you from it. And I don't, I, I, the last thing I want you to hear tonight is that my kids had the poor execution. It, I, I, I couldn't get the point across that I was trying to get across and got extremely frustrated that this child wasn't getting it. And I think that so many times that this happens with the Word of God, we come in here and hear something that we want to do and we think it's right, but then we get out and we, we can't, it doesn't click. You know, Paul says, I know what's right to do, but I can't do it. I know the right thing to do, but I can't do it. And I'm telling you what, I have, uh, you know, I went the extra mile, came home early to spend quality time, and it wound up being a struggling time, a frustrating time. To be honest with you, probably a damaging time. And... uh you know, and I think the Lord's trying to show me um, it's not all my child's fault. And I started to think about how Jesus would teach. And the funny thing is, I think Jesus would teach so much differently. And uh, I'm sitting down here in worship and just battling. I'm loving the song they're singing. They're singing, uh, let the glory of the Lord rise among us. Great song. And I'm down here, my mind is in that conversation. So I think, well, I've stepped away from worship. I don't really know what to do. It's like uh, from Talladega Nights, the guy said, I don't know what to do with my hands. I don't know what to do. I don't, I'm sitting here and I, it's not clicking. So I'm going to hook up and I'm going to go jump on the piano. There's an empty instrument right there. I'm going to go worship. I'm just, and sure enough, Tammy thought, oh, no, what's he doing? Does he want to lead? Does he want to sing? And she's completely respectful and is just waiting on me. I mean, just completely honoring of me. And, and I'm like, you know, you have no idea what's going on with me. Just let me hide and let me just play. And same thing here with relationship. She's assuming one thing. I'm, I'm trying to do something else. And miscommunication. Now, she did not, nothing went wrong. Everything went great. She saw that I was just wanting to play, and she continued to worship. But you can see how easy we can let things cause us to miss it. The word that I've been giving... Um, from James chapter 1, James chapter 2, and now James chapter 3. Church, we need to get it. 
we need to get it. We need to start getting through our trials and stop letting our trials have victory over us. We need to start taking the word and speaking it. We need to start having faith and releasing it. Going to that bitter pool that there's no life and that barrenness is coming and that illness is coming and get that twig and get that word from the Lord and get that twig and throw the twig into the water. There was no healing in the twig. It was just a twig. There was healing in the faith. There was healing in the power of God. There was healing in the instruction of God and the word of God being executed. When they executed the word of God, that, that pool at Bethesda, I think it was, was healed. I may have gotten the reference wrong, but y'all know the story. And that's where God revealed himself as Jehovah Rophi. I'm the Lord, your healer. Out of the word given and them executing the word. Church, we need to get it. And I'm determined with, with kind of the discombobulation between me and my child today, I'm determined to get it. And I can't just say, the heck with it. Nope, that's not my calling. My calling is to endure and to persevere and to overcome. I'm an overcomer. I'm not a, give, I'm not a giver-upper. <clears throat> Church, we need to get it. Had somebody text me this week. They said, Pastor, what is that? phrase you always say, keep doing the same thing over and over and expect a different result? And I text back, (laughs) and I almost felt bad saying it. Insanity? That's it. And they texted back, I'm insane. (laughs) (laughs) And I texted back, no, you're not. No, you're not. What's happening to you right now is you're recognizing you're doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. Well, let me tell you, change is about to come. And church, the light bulb needs to go off. Or it needs to turn on. It needs to turn on. All right. With that said, Luke chapter 11. I'm going to kind of get there at the end. I don't know that I'm going to get there at all. But we're going to start in Philippians chapter 3. And we're going to wind up in Luke did I say Luke chapter 7? Luke chapter 11. We've been in Luke chapter 11 for three or, four, three or four weeks now. Philippians chapter 3 verse 13. Brethren, I don't count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to the things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. There's the key to having a better relationship with the Lord starting right now. There's the key to having a better relationship with the Lord starting right now. Tomorrow, church, tomorrow has not been touched by human hands yet. It's not gotten screwed up yet. The things that happened yesterday... The things that happened an hour ago are gone. Done. That's forever gone. Nothing I can do, nothing we can do can change the fact that they were done. All we can do is begin to change the results of what was done. It's so amazing. I, 
that, that the Lord walked me through this today, and then here we are with this scripture. Have you ever heard this statement, all's well that ends well? In order for all things to end well, we have to make the choice to change the course of our lives and to obey the word of God. Nothing contrary to God's word is going to end up well. No matter how it may appear at first. The end of rebellion and disobedience is sin. And the wages or the payback for that sin is always death. How can that be well? And if we dwell on the past, how can we ever change the future? We can think about the past. We can learn from the past. And then we can go and change the future. You know, so many of us have had a hard year this year. And last year, marriages have struggled and suffered. The economy and our finances have struggled. Jobs have been lost. Tornadoes, hurricanes, natural disasters. But on a more personal level, all of us have trouble. All of us have trials and tests. Some of them were so devastating that the effects they had on us may take years to heal. Some of us have lost loved ones this past year, and they've gone home with the Lord. Some of you have had job changes. Families that were once strong are now shattered by divorce courts. Every new day brings calamities and bad news. We can't go back and do it again. We have to prepare as best we can for what lies ahead. Now, if you know me at all, I'm not a pessimist at all. There's a good, there's, the sun's going to shine if you'll just... Hang in there with me. I've learned that the only thing certain in life is that nothing is certain. Change is inevitable and it's not always for the best. No matter how much you believe in positive confession. Now Robert Burns once wrote a book, wrote a play called To a Mouse. Where he's credited with this statement. The best laid plans of mice and men often go awry. You know, this year or last year has not been a perfect year. And 2012 or 2013 will not be a perfect year either. Life is imperfect. There are no perfect people. There are no perfect jobs. There are no perfect kids. There are no perfect churches. If there was a perfect church and this was it, the moment I showed up, it would be imperfect. Why? Because I'm imperfect. I'm not perfect. There are no perfect spouses. We all have to contend with, you know the expression Murphy's Law? And you know, as you look around the congregation, you think some people here might even be kin to Murphy if you really started digging around. Have you ever felt like you were? Maybe you think you're not where you thought you would be at this time in your life. What are we going to do about it? Listen to a couple of these statements. It isn't what happened to you that matters, it's how you handle it. You can get bitter or you can get better. It's not your aptitude, but your attitude that will determine your altitude. 
You know, if the Lord doesn't come back tomorrow, and we're still here tomorrow, how do we begin another day, another week, another year to see that we are moving forward, that we are walking closer to God, that we are walking in victory? You know what? We do not have to stay where we are. If you're in the pig pen of life, let me tell you something. It's time for you to come to yourself and get up and return to the Lord. What do we do? I'm going to give you a couple things to consider. First thing we got to do is we got to clean the house. Clean the house of dust, of footprints, of dead leaves, of trash that has somehow entered into our hearts. With every evil wind that blows around us and against us, if we're not careful, dirt and fifth always enters in and settles in the crevices, in the corners of our lives, of our hearts. And you know, I've been in, I've been in people's houses. I've been in nice houses. I've been in expensive houses. And you know what? No matter how hard they try to keep those homes clean, and you may even be a germaphobe, dirt is still going to come in. Have you ever seen a house that no one has visited? They put blankets over and just left it alone? After six months, it will be filthy. And you know, with the houses that are built today, they're sealed. The windows are sealed. The, the doors are sealed. They are, they are designed to keep the outside elements out. They're even soundproof to where you can't hear the things outside to an extent. But somehow, dirt comes in. And it doesn't come in the way that the house was designed for things to enter and exit. They come in through cracks. They come in through crevices. That's the same way with you and me. Even if we stay in a constant state of repentance and strive to walk perfectly with the Lord, there's always something that will get by and settle in. Some things, no matter how hard we try to rid of ourselves, just hang on in spite of our efforts to break free. And the only way to get clean is not by our willpower. It's not by our works of righteousness. But it is by trusting in and allowing the blood of Jesus to cleanse us. John 8, 36 says, Therefore, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. The first step is to be cleansed from all sin by the blood of Jesus. And that also includes the sin of omission, where we simply fail to that which we know is good. James 4, 17, and we're going to be getting there on Sunday mornings. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. This is one of those scriptures I think I've told y'all before. It's one of those that I wished I hadn't read. Have you ever read a scripture and thought, oh man, I wished I didn't know that? You know, ignorance is bliss. Sometimes I kind of think God's going to have mercy on me because I didn't know not to do that. If you know to do good and you don't, if you know what the right thing is to do and you don't, it's sin. Now, who hasn't let a little dirt sneak in? That's all I'm trying to say. But it also includes the sins of commission where rebellion and disobedience arises within us. And it, when we fail God intentionally, sometimes we do it knowing what we've done. 
don't we? I'll say yes, we do. Being swept clean by the blood of Jesus is a wonderful thing. Our load gets lighter. Our way gets brighter and better sometimes in so many ways. But being cleansed is only half the solution. There has to be a positive influence in your life, a power that will create a barrier that will prevent the entry of filth of the world once again. Have you ever noticed that it's easy to tell when a table is dirt, it, when, when there's a speck of dirt on a table that's clean? Have you ever noticed that a clean table will show dirt better than a dirty table? And that's the way it's got to be in our life. We've got to be dealing with our sin and be keeping ourselves full so that when sin shows up, we can identify it. If, we are being, if we've just got sin in every direction, then we get to where we become numb to it. We're a dirty table and we can't recognize the, the dirt on the table. It needs to be cleaned. It blends in. And that's the way sin needs to manifest itself in your life. If your heart is truly right before God, then anything that becomes sin in your heart will glare out and the Holy Spirit will remind you of it. But there's a way to keep this filth out in the first place. Have you ever heard of the term a clean room? In the world of computers and in areas where critical research is in progress, there's such thing as what's called a clean room. Well, how do they keep a clean room clean? First thing they've got to do is completely and hermeneutically seal it and insulate it from any possible of outside entry other than the way it was designed and built to cleanse whatever and whoever enters through it. Have you ever seen the CDC, the Center for Disease and Control, when they put on those suits and they go into a clean room, what do they have to do? They have to suit up, they have to wash up, and then they go through this, this little uh, booth and get washed and then enter in. There's only one way in, and they keep it completely clean. There's a washing that, and decontaminating process that's got to occur before outside elements can enter. That's what the power of the blood of Jesus will do. It will wash away all sin. His blood seals you into the kingdom of God as his own child. And nothing on this earth has the power over the blood of Jesus. Nothing. Nothing. When the blood of Jesus sprays you, you know, it's like killing 99 point whatever percent of bacteria when you wash your hands with that stuff. Well, that little percent, I don't, I don't believe the 99 percent. How do they know? Or maybe they do know, but... I don't, I don't know. Have you ever just wondered, my hands are nasty and I'm not washing them, I'm putting this stuff on them and I'm expecting them to be clean? Maybe the, I don't know, my, my germ, I'm sorry. Yeah. Blood of Jesus, clean. Totally. Removes every bit of sin. After the blood has cleansed you, it doesn't stop there. There's an ongoing and continual washing that comes. Ephesians 5.26 says, he, That he may sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water of the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. The blood of Jesus cleanses us. Then what have we got to do? We've got to wash in the word. We've got to wash in the Word. 
We've got to be cleansed by the blood and allow the Word of God to have its continual effect in cleansing our heart and life. And then there's one final step. Again, if we look at the clean room example, in order to ensure completely that no outside contaminants can enter in any crevice or crack, there has to be an air compressor. There's got to be air that creates a positive pressure on the inside. And wherever there, there may be a danger of leakage, the positive pressure is there to blow out and push contaminants away. That's where the power of the infilling of the Holy Spirit comes. We get the blood of Jesus to cleanse us of our sin. We start washing ourselves with the water of the Word. Then we allow the Holy Spirit to come in and literally keep out anything from coming, coming into us. A continual feeling in, filling. In Ephesians, it says, be filled with the Spirit. That is continually filled. One time being filled, we saw last, this last week, that, that our blessing tends to run out of our mouth. That we leak that, we, that the Spirit leaks out of us, out of our mouth, by the things that we say. We can't control the tongue. When we let our tongues go, we let sometimes that power go with it. But we've got to be filled with the Spirit. If it was not for the Holy Spirit in your heart, if you don't create that positive influence inside your clean room heart, then your clean heart can actually become a vacuum. And when you take something out... Without putting something in its place of equal or greater power, then you create an empty space where nothing is, and that's what a vacuum is. Let's look here at Luke chapter 11. I'm almost done. Luke chapter 11, verse 24. When an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes through dry places seeking rest and finding none. He says, I'll return to my house from which I came. And when he comes, he finds it swept and put in order. Then he goes and takes with him seven other spirits, more wicked than himself, and they enter and dwell there, and the last state of that man is worse than the first. Have you ever recognized that if you get breakthrough over an area, maybe it's addiction, maybe it's in your marriage, maybe it's something major, maybe it's not, have you ever noticed how easy it is to fall back into it? How that thing that had gotten you down, that you had gotten breakthrough, how easy it is to pick up that cigarette again. Or to go back to that pornography site. How easy it is to fall back in. Why? Because you came in here and you got, came into church. You came into the Lord. You came into the presence of God. You got the blood of Jesus. You got cleansed. You got it cleaned out. But you didn't fill it. You felt great. You left here with break. I keep saying here. You left that situation where you were. That God delivered you. And you felt great and you're ready to go out and take on the world again. But the problem is we didn't get that emptiness filled up with the appropriate thing. So what happened? The next moment we had to, to, to get away from it, to, 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 to deal with it, it came back. This is saying here when we get delivered, we've got to get filled up. Does anybody see that? When an unclean spirit goes from you, you need to... It said, it said that the house was clean and in order. Something we need to recognize, I think it's naive to think that when we get over something, when we get breakthrough from something, that it's not going to try to come back. It is. That's Satan's way of getting a hold of you and saying, God didn't really heal you. 
God didn't really give you deliverance from depression. God didn't really give you that healing. The next time you go to the doctor, you're going to find out you didn't get healed. And we allow it to creep back in. Ooh, oh, let me tell you, uh, this is good. It's scripture that, that these things that we've battled, the, Lord, the Lord's desiring to give you breakthrough over every battle you're facing. Over every, over every demonic thing coming at you, the Lord is equipping you and is preparing you and is ready to help fight your battle with you. But when you get breakthrough, you can't just, you can't just, hmm. killing Goliath was just the start of their victory. They had to go possess the land. They had to go and run the rest of the men off. Their army was still sitting out there. Let me encourage you just for a minute too. The enemy knows it's defeated. The, 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 the children of Israel, when they were going to take the promised land, the people in the promised land knew they were coming and knew the children of Israel were going to win. And can you imagine having to wait 40 years knowing that? After 40 years, they were saying, we knew you were coming. Where have you been? Well, we've been afraid. God told us he would give it to us, but we didn't really believe it. We'll just stay here and eat our little... Wafers and our clothes won't wear out. We'll eat birds every now and then. And we'll just wait. Well, I'll just stay here a little bit longer. I feel pretty good right here. I at least know what to expect here. God says, no, I've given you that. Go get it. And, and, and when you cross over, the, I'm going to open the waters for you. That's your deliverance. Then you've got to go kill the things that are there. What, 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 I, in the taking possession, we've been given a gift of the Holy Spirit that we're supposed to take possession of. We are to be filled with the Spirit. We are to get our, it says to clean the inside of the cup. Not so it can stay empty. So it can be filled. So that that which wants to return can't. Do you know if I'm filled with the Spirit, if I'm being washed by the Word and I'm continually asking for repentance for my sin, when sin is at my doorstep, I can identify it. I can fight it. I can attack it. We should be growing stronger and closer to the Lord every single day. What are you battling? It's time for deliverance. But deliverance today means continuing to be filled tomorrow. You get breakthrough today, that's just the start. Church, we have got to get in the Word. We've got to be washing each other in the Word. We've got to be asking for the filling of the Holy Spirit. We've got to be asking for wisdom to the one that says that if we ask for wisdom, he will give it. Counting it joy, knowing that the trials that we're going through is going to produce patience, that the testing of our faith is going to produce patience. That's what we have to look forward to, even in our trials, that God's going to rescue us.
when an unclean spirit goes out of a man, even if we clean up the house, it's going to want to return. We have to be full. We have to be full. There's an old song that says, every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. Every day with Jesus, I love him more and more. I want to encourage you, when you get up in the morning, I want you to think, how can I fill myself up with Jesus today? And Lord, give me eyes to see and ears to hear and to identify and to discern when sin is trying to come in. Sin's going to want to come in through your eyes. It's going to want to come in through your ears. It's going to want to come in through your feelings. It's going to want to come in through your anger, through your reactions. It wants in. It's going to want to come in through your kids. It's going to want to come in through your spouse. It's going to want to come in. Don't let him in. I don't mind. I would love to pray for you to be filled with the Spirit if you haven't been. I want you to know Luke 11 says that he gives the Spirit to those who ask. Just like when you were saved, you believed in faith and you asked Jesus to come into your heart and confessed him as your Lord and Savior. The same way in faith, you ask for the Holy Spirit, he will give it to you. Be filled with the Spirit. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for tonight. Lord, I just ask you to help us in our spirit, in our soul, for the light switch to go on. And Lord, to not, not take mediocrity, not take less than overcoming, not accepting, uh, not accepting defeat, not accepting a defeated marriage, not accepting defeated relationships, not accepting defeat, defeat in our jobs and in our finances. Lord, that's not our, that's not our promise. Our promise is that when we seek you and when we follow you and when we obey you, that the things we set our hands to are blessed. Lord, I I desire for this church to be a blessed church. I just ask you right now, Lord, to fill us with your spirit. Lord, as I was reading this morning, Acts 2, when the 120 came together and were in accord and were waiting for the promise, God, you sent it. Lord, I ask you for that promise of your Holy Spirit in this church. Father, I just pray right now for the youth that are hearing about purity, that are hearing about abstinence, that are hearing about the damaging effects of, an, uh, of sex outside of marriage. Lord, I ask you that the light switch would go on. Just pray for the power of the Holy Spirit to be upon them tonight, for those ears to hear, those hearts to receive. Protect our children. Protect our children from disease and from uh, untimely pregnancy and unhealthy relationship.
Lord, our nation needs you. Lord, our family needs you. God, I thank you that all you're looking for is for a family to turn to you. Every time, as rebellious as the children of Israel might would have been, when they turned back to you, you responded. Father, I just thank you. You're so good. Lord, I thank you for this church. I thank you for my staff and this worship team and all these people that serve in this church every single week. Lord, bless their time. Bless their efforts. Bless their families. Thank you, Lord. You're so good. Fill us with your spirit. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a great rest of the week. Remember, keep your tongue from me, keep your tongue your lips from evil and your tongue from speaking lies that good days are ahead of you to those that do that. Good days ahead of you. I think that's right. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week.